What I'm going to share with you today is a bit personal. It's not a story I share very often with other people. And it's not that I try to hide this story, but I do find myself glossing over it quite a bit. I'm talking today about my lifelong battle with rheumatoid arthritis and the amazing lessons it's taught me over the years. Now, anyone who has ever experienced any type of chronic pain in their life will be able to relate to this one. At least that's my hope. And if you aren't familiar with the effects chronic pain can have on someone's life, then I invite you to listen in as maybe it will help you better understand someone else's experience. I've had this topic on my podcast roster for so many months, but I kept shuffling it around. Really, I just kept putting it off because truth be told, I'm pretty uncomfortable talking about this. Why? Because I've never wanted arthritis to define me or to stop me from doing things, which I'll definitely get into as we get into the episode, but also because my journey with arthritis has been very unorthodox. It's not your typical chronic illness story. And the fear around me sharing this story is more that I'll offend someone else who's taken a more traditional route to managing their pain and their illness. And, you know, as I always say, when we aren't sharing our stories fully, We are just letting that story have power over us. So by not sharing this story, I, of course, run the risk of letting RA have that power over me, and I don't want to do that. And I don't want to rob someone else the opportunity to hear the story and then hopefully glean some hope and inspiration from it that they very well might need right now. And so when I look back on my life, I can so clearly see how living with rheumatoid arthritis since I was 18 months old has set the stage for me to accomplish some pretty extraordinary things. So that's what I want to share with you today. This is the very personal inside story about my journey living with RA. I'm April Adams Pertwee. I'm your host of the Inside Story podcast. I've been telling people stories my entire adult life as a broadcast journalist, video producer, and digital storyteller. These days, you can find me at Light Beamers, where I'm building a community of women who are ready to step into their brave by sharing their story with the world. On the Inside Story podcast, I'm bringing you some of the best stories I'm discovering from both the women inside of my community, as well as from around the streets of the internet. Plus, I'm digging deep to share some of my own stories with you along the way. My hope is that these stories will help encourage you to examine your own story so that you can share it with other people. I have a motto at Light Beamers. When we share our stories, we shine a light. So with that in mind, let's get down to business today and share the light found in this episode. Hello, hello, hello. I'm so excited you're here for this edition of the Inside Story Podcast. I'm your host, April Adams Pertwee. And as the name suggests of this podcast, I do have an inside story for you today. And this one is ripped straight from my childhood. This is one of those stories that I don't really share very often with people. In fact, I'm not really sure (laughs) 
I'm not really sure that I've ever really shared it in detail with really anyone else. I mean, this does come up in conversation with people and I will casually mention it from time to time that I have rheumatoid arthritis, but I haven't ever really sat down and told the full story to anyone really other than maybe my husband. Now, don't get too excited. Like, this is not some story that is, you know, really all that exciting, in my opinion. But what I do hope that will be helpful by me sharing the story is that by listening to some of the lessons I've learned along the way, that you will glean some sort of wisdom for yourself. Because, you know, anytime you live with some sort of chronic illness or chronic pain, which is exactly what rheumatoid arthritis is, um, it definitely gives you an opportunity to look at your life through a different lens. And that's the story that I really want to share with you today. Now, what's unusual about my form of, of juvenile rheumatoid arthritis is that even though I developed it as a child, that's the juvenile part, I actually continue to deal with it in in my adulthood. Most children who experience juvenile rheumatoid arthritis actually fully recover and don't experience ongoing issues later in life. So I don't know, lucky me, I'm a rule breaker. What can I say? Here here I am. I um, had it as a child and I continue to um, experience symptoms to this day and I am 49 years old. So when I was about 18 months old, that's when I began showing the symptoms of, well, at the time we didn't know what it was. Of course, I didn't know anything. I was 18 months old, but my parents didn't really know what was going on. They just knew that um, some of the symptoms that I was exhibiting really led and kind of escalated to my inability to stand up or walk anymore even though at 18 months old, I was already doing both of those things previously. And I was in major pain as a child. You know, I didn't have the verbal skills to communicate that to my parents, but they knew that I was in pain because all I would do is sit on the floor and cry. So you can imagine as, as my parents and especially my mom, really, they became sort of at their wits end. And my mom began taking me to a series of specialists to try to figure out what in the world was wrong with me. You know, why couldn't I stand up? Why couldn't I walk anymore? And I don't really remember this part, right? I'm 18 months old. I don't remember much from that part of my life, but I do remember having a very distinct memory of myself lying on my, uh, my dining room floor, kind of in the dining room in the house where we grew up. And I can, I can see myself sitting on the dining room floor crying and my mom grabbing me and pulling me up by my arms to try to get me to stand on my feet. And then when she let go of my arms, I would collapse back onto the floor because my hips and my legs just could not withstand that pressure. I do have a very distinct memory. I can see myself and I can see my mom, and I can see the living room, the dining room in my childhood home. I can see all of that taking place right now in my mind's eye. So after a round of doctors, different specialists that my mom, you know, was taking me to trying to find out what was going on with me, after they sort of investigated this, this 
curious illness that I had, they concluded that I did have some form of juvenile rheumatoid arthritis and my joints were being attacked because that's what arthritis does. Now, I want to remind you that this was many years ago. This was back in 1972. And for whatever reason, the only thing that they knew to do back then was to tell her to put me in a wheelchair. So they told my mother, I would never walk. We don't know what's really wrong with her. It's some sort of arthritis. Put her in a wheelchair. She probably will never walk. And so fast forward, you know, 48, 49 years. And I sit here today as someone who is very active. I've completed two half marathons, a 200 mile relay race, a 20 mile trail trail run, and many other physical achievements. But don't let any of that fool you because I want you to know that I still struggle with this disease every single day of my life. And I am anything but an athlete. You know what I'm saying? And so I really want to share the story of how I got to be someone who suffers with this chronic illness and this chronic pain and accomplished those big goals. You know, like I said, today is, uh, I mean, I still carry these symptoms today. I mean, I, I suffer from inflammation. I suffer from pain. It's pretty much a regular, a regular occurrence with me. Um, in fact, if I'm going to be super honest with you, I did, I woke up today in pain. (laughs) I didn't really feel that well when I woke up this morning and I was scheduled to, go to my regular 8 a.m. boot camp class because exercise is something that is recommended. It does help it does help you stay active and lubricate your joints. Uh, but I skipped it today because my body was screaming at me and sometimes when the pain is like that, I try to listen to my body and just sometimes I have to cave in. And so today is not a day that I got up and jumped out of bed and went to do boot camp because, my body was really telling me to do something completely different. And so it's actually pretty perfect that I'm sitting down today and using my time this morning to actually share this story with you. And when I think back on my lifelong journey with rheumatoid arthritis, I honestly, I'm a little unsure exactly where to begin because there's just so many things that I could talk about. I mean, there's so many things that I could tell you. Um, I could talk about what it was like learning to manage this disease as a young child, especially when it didn't go away like it does in so many other kids. And being in elementary school when my physical abilities were still pretty limited and having to sit out, you know, all of those physical activities and PE class and things like that, while the rest of my friends got to run around and play fun games, you know, like dodgeball. I could share with you about how my body carries inflammation around like a freaking badge of honor. You know, my ankles and my knees especially remind me every single day of how present arthritis is in my body because they, they stay pretty swollen. Or I could share how my mom found a holistic doctor shortly after my diagnosis that literally had me standing and walking within three weeks of treatment with him. I mean, I could tell you that whole story and it would read like a movie script filled with snake oil and magic potions, when in reality, it was just simple, natural medicine that helped me quite literally get back on my feet and learn to walk again. But what I really 
think I should start with is maybe what exactly rheumatoid arthritis is, because some of you may not know. Um, it's an autoimmune disease that can cause joint pain and damage throughout your body. And that damage, um, it, you, and the pain usually happens on typically both sides of the body. So if you have joint pain in your elbow on the right-hand side, you're probably going to have joint pain in your elbow on the left-hand side. Or if you have joint pain and damage in your knees on the right, on, in your knee on the right side, you're typically going to have it on the left side as well. What's interesting about my case, again, rule breaker over here, is that my rheumatoid arthritis has typically only attacked the right side of my body for the most part. I mean, that's not to say that I don't have pain throughout the left side of my body. I do. But physically, the joints on my right side of my body are the ones that are affected the most. Now, let me give you an example of this. If you were to take your hands and point them backwards, your wrist would bend at a 90 degree angle. Now, my left hand and wrist can do this without any problem. My right hand only bends at about a 20 degree angle. That's it. If you were to point your toes, your ankles would bend to the point where the top of your foot creates a flat line to the top of your shin, right? Now, my left ankle can do this pretty well, but my right ankle really hardly bends at all. So pointing my toes on that side of my leg is pretty much a futile effort. And then there's my hips. And that is really where arthritis seems to have taken up its permanent residence. This is why I could not stand or walk as a toddler because the arthritis was already hard at work attacking every joint in my hips, which you know, is all connected to my lower extremities. And the pain in my hips is truly where I suffer the most. And it's definitely where I feel the arthritis the most um, in my body. So anyone else out there that may suffer from any type of chronic pain or autoimmune disease or even rheumatoid arthritis specifically, uh, I'm pretty sure that you can relate to some, some, some parts of this. I'm sure you can relate to what I'm sharing. However, as I mentioned, my journey has really been anything but traditional. When I meet other people who have rheumatoid arthritis, their story seems to be pretty different than mine. I, for one, have never, ever, ever, not one single day in my life, been on any prescription medication. And for this, I'm incredibly grateful because RA drugs are pretty hardcore. Most people that I have met that have rheumatoid arthritis do end up on prescription medication. Now, let me pause right here and say the point of me sharing my story is not to bash traditional medicine, not to say there's anything wrong with any of that. It just was not my path. I'm only sharing my story to share what path I took and to share what's worked for me. And, and more importantly, as I said in the beginning, more importantly, I want to share some of the big lessons that I've learned along the way, because I think those are the pieces that you can really take away and learn something from the story as well. So I say that my path has been different because shortly after my diagnosis, again, 18 months old, my mother found a holistic healer who lived in the next town over from us. We grew up in a really small 
town in East Texas. And this doctor's name was sort of getting out um, on the street, so to speak, for healing people with a variety of illnesses. And this healer turned out to be a chiropractor. Now, for the first year of treatment, my mother would drive me 60 miles round trip, sometimes twice a day, so I could go over to this doctor's office and get adjusted um, for chiropractic care. Now, I don't know how many of you listeners out there are familiar with chiropractic care, but I can tell you that when you find a good doctor, you absolutely know it. And I know that by and large, a lot of chiropractors don't have great reputations. A lot of people think that chiropractors are quacks and things of that nature. All I can tell you is that my experience has been anything but that. And I've seen a lot of chiropractors. Now, I spent the first 26 years of my life seeing that first one. I was dedicated. I lived at home and obviously being, you know, going up um, as I was growing up through my teenage years and all of that, I saw that one doctor. But then as I became an adult and got out on my own and I began moving around to different parts of the country, everywhere I lived or moved, I would make it a priority to find a chiropractor who who really understood my illness and understood how to treat me. And I can tell you that (laughs) I would find a chiropractor before I would find a hairdresser. I mean, that's how seriously I take managing this disease. Now, I'm not going to bore you with the details, but seeing a holistic doctor versus seeing someone who was like more the traditional medical route has greatly influenced how I've been able to manage this disease because I definitely take a more holistic medicine approach. For example, um, nowadays I eat a mostly vegetarian diet because I have discovered over the years how much my diet dictates how I feel. And I grew up, you know, and lived in Texas for the first 25 years of my life. And so let me tell you, I love a good steak. But in my early 40s, I decided to cut meat out of my diet really in the beginning, just as an experiment. And I'll have to share that story with you guys a whole nother episode because that's been a fun journey to um, explore as well. But what I discovered in, in experimenting with those dietary changes is I discovered I drastically felt so much better when I did not eat meat. And so over, I don't know, probably the last 12 to 15 years, I have not eaten any red meat or any pork. I also use water therapy as a major tool in my wellness routine. I take a hot Epsom salt bath at least five to six nights a week because submerging my body into water at the end of the day and experiencing that that sense of weightlessness gives me so much relief. Also the magnesium, you know, found in the bath salts. Um, gets into my body and magnesium is a wonderful natural remedy for pain. So taking those nightly baths is like sacred time to me. And it always helps me feel better at the end of the day when usually by the end of the day, my joints are definitely talking to me. And so then after I get out of a bath, that nightly routine really sets me up for a solid eight to nine hours of sleep each night. Because if I don't get at least eight hours of sleep, 
my body will wake up the next day in serious pain. And it's just something that over the years I've learned, you know, that, it, you know, if I don't get that amount of sleep, I feel it and it's just not worth it. So I do make sleep a major priority. But suffice it to say that, you know, living with RA is not fun at all. There are days that I wake up in pain that it don't make sense. I just have it. I can't explain it. Or if it's raining outside or the barometric pressure changes, I feel that. I'm going to feel it in every joint in my body. If I don't get enough sleep, like I said, or I eat crappy foods, I'm going to feel it. I'm going to pay for it. And so over the years, I've just learned to manage most of these factors pretty well with like diet, exercise, sleep, and other holistic remedies. But there's one area that I can say rheumatoid arthritis has affected me the most, and it's around physical exercise. You know, they do recommend physical exercise, but I will say in the beginning, back in, you know, 1972, 73, 74, when we were learning how to deal with this illness and my parents were learning how to deal with it with, for me, really, you know, they were kind of scared of the physical exercise. And so they often would sort of protect me from it, thinking that was going to help me in my healing and in my recovery. And honestly, I think that Arthritis is only half the story in this arena because the other battle that I really realized that I had to tackle was my mindset. So I want to explain this and this is where I want to go in deeper on this story to share with you even more of an inside story on this inside story to really share with you where uh, this is I think where I've learned the most lessons from from having this this autoimmune disorder in my life. So like I said, as you can imagine, for most of my childhood, following the diagnosis and my healing journey, you know, my parents and doctors naturally tried to protect me. They wrote doctor's notes that would excuse me from PE class. They warned me when I would go outside to play to not do anything too physical. You know, and of course, they were just trying to protect me to ensure that everything that we were doing was going to keep healing my body and it wasn't going to be undone by my reckless behavior at 10 years old or whatever it is, right? And I get it. Like, it totally makes sense looking back on it. They meant absolutely no harm by that. But as a child, all I heard was, you can't do things that are physical. And I adopted a mentality around this that told me I was just simply incapable. And this has been one of the biggest challenges for me living with rheumatoid arthritis because I've had to learn to overcome that mentality. Now, the pain, I've learned to manage that over the years. And most of the days, I'm able to even ignore the pain. But this little voice that lives inside my head that says physical exercise or physical activities are simply out of my reach that part has been very damaging. So fast forward to myself. I'm in the, I would say I was probably in my late 30s, early 40s. And I started paying attention to all the ways I avoided working out. I mean, I did work out to stay in shape and stay healthy, but I never did anything that was above and beyond. You know, I would just say I was doing what I had to do to just get by. And my husband, on the other hand, he is very athletic. He 
is a total athlete. He played every sport known to man growing up, and he played soccer at the collegiate level. He's also an avid runner. And for years, I stood at the finish line of 5Ks and 10Ks and countless half marathons cheering for him as he crossed over the finish line. And there was a moment, there was a, a real moment in time that I can remember. He was completing his first ever full marathon, which was such a big deal for him to finally go after that big prize of accomplishing that big goal of competing in or just completing a, a full marathon. And I thought to myself, why do I always wait at the finish line? Why do I not ever put myself at the starting line? And this thought really began to niggle at me because I really wondered what was it like to, to run one of those races and to experience the feeling of crossing the finish line myself. And of course, the first thought I had was like, well, April, you can't do those things. You know, you don't run. Your body can't handle that type of pounding. And eventually I began to question that thought process. How do I know I can't handle it if I've never tested that theory? <laughs> so one day, a good friend of mine called and she said, hey, we just signed up to run this rock and roll half marathon race in Virginia Beach. Would you and Kyle want to join us? And Kyle can run it too. So here we are getting this invitation to go to Virginia Beach to run this rock and roll half marathon. Of course, I'm just invited, but I wasn't really expected to run it. And my friend, she had just had a baby. She had just signed up for this half marathon. And I thought to myself, she just had a baby for crying out loud. What is my excuse? And the only excuse I had that was running through my head was this crappy storyline that I've been carrying around since childhood that I had never really challenged that said, I'm not physically able to run. I could never complete a half marathon like that. And so in that instance, I called my husband's running coach, who was a very good friend of ours. And I said, Hey, you know me, you know, you know, my physical condition, you know, that I'm not an active runner, but what if I signed up to run a half marathon four months from now? Do you think I could train and do it? And his answer back to me was just so pitch perfect. It was the exact answer I needed to hear. He said, I think you can do anything you set your mind to. And my very next words to him were like, you're hired. <laughs> and so over the next four months, I did everything he told me to do. And honestly, it started with just one mile. He gave me a specific run walk pattern to run. And it started with that one mile. And before I knew it, I was running four miles on a regular basis. And then it was seven miles. And then it was nine miles. And eventually I worked my way up to about 11 or 12 miles just a couple of weeks before the big race in Virginia Beach. I mean, I was doing it. Now, did my body hurt? Hell yes, it hurt. It hurt. But my mind did not care. Because my mind had decided that I was going to run this half marathon just to prove to myself that I could physically do it. So I honestly didn't care about the pain. 
And, you know, quite honestly, I'm pretty adept at ignoring that pain anyway, because I've been doing it most of my life. So on race day, my husband ran with me to keep me company and to cheer me on the whole way, which I just love him for that. And if you're not familiar with the rock and roll races, they have them all around the country. And they are so much fun because all along the routes, there are marching bands and cheerleaders and other musicians playing music and cheering for you all along the way. It is so inspiring. And my running coach had written a race day prescription for me that had me doing a nice run-walk pace throughout the race. Like for example, I would run five minutes, walk one minute, run five minutes, walk one minute. And I kept that pace throughout most of the half marathon until I got to the last two miles of the run. And that's when he told me, when you get to mile 11, just run, just run to the finish line. And so when I hit mile 11, I had no more walk breaks. And by then my adrenaline, my adrenaline was really kicking in because I knew I was so close to the finish line. And so I did, I ran that last two miles solid. And so crossing that finish line was exactly what I thought it was. I don't know. Actually, I don't even know. I think it was even more than I thought it was going to be. Once we crossed over, I burst into tears. I was so physically exhausted, of course, but really it was, it was the emotions that were getting to me because I was so freaking proud of myself. I could hardly stand it. I was totally overcome by emotion. So much so that actually paramedics that were standing by, they kind of stand there at the finish line. They came over to, to me to make sure that I was okay And I sort of laughed in between my tears and in between my gasp. And I told them I was fine. I was fine. But I had finally done it. I had proven to myself that I could, in fact, do hard things. I could take on these physical challenges and push my body way beyond the perceived limits. You know, I still have rheumatoid arthritis. My body still hurts on a daily basis. But that day in Virginia Beach... My mind showed me and my body who was boss. And I've gone on since that day to do a few more crazy ass things, such as complete a seven hour ruck race. If you don't know what the heck a ruck race is, look it up. It's where you can complete these really military style um, exercises over the course of seven hours, carrying a weighted backpack. Specifically, our backpacks had, had bricks in them. It's, it's sort of in, insane, but we did it. And I have completed a 20 mile, 20 mile, no, let's scratch that. It was a 200 mile relay race and a 20 mile trail run. I've done all of that just, just for the hell of it. Just because I wanted to keep showing my body that my mind was the one that was in control. And it was my mind that decided we were going to do these things. Now, I'm not going to lie, as I've gotten a little bit older, it, it's a little bit harder. And these days, I do feel my arthritis a little bit more than I used to. But you know what? You know, just sharing this story with you today reminds me of how powerful my mind and my body are. You know, I talk a lot about the power of story and how we can either choose to let stories have power over us or we can use the story in a powerful way. 
And a piece of me is re-harnessing the power of this story right now, just by simply sharing it with you. I've learned so many lessons from my arthritis. It's taught me to be really aware of my body on a daily basis and how to listen to my body and to its needs. Just like this morning, I really listened to it and I'll get my workout in. But to this morning, it was most important that I just rest and take care of my physical needs. And this is so much why I take self-care as such a big priority in my life. It's why I take those Epsom salt baths every night. It's also taught me that my body is stronger than what it looks like, or even what my body tries to tell me it can do. It has taught me that my mind is stronger than my body. And if I put my mind to something, I'm absolutely going to achieve it. It's taught me to have more empathy for others who are also struggling because I really do understand the daily pain. And if you are one of those people out there struggling with chronic pain of any kind in your life, I want you to know that I see you and I get it. You are not alone. I don't talk a lot about my pain. In fact, even in my own household, I I can go days before finally admitting to my husband that I'm struggling. And I don't know exactly why I do this. I guess it's because if I were to actually talk about my pain, I'd be talking about it every single day. And I don't want to give arthritis that much attention in my life. So I've just gone through not, you know, just not talking about it very much. But I'm so glad that I did share this story with you today. I I hope that there's some piece of this that will serve you as well. And really, at the end of the day, if nothing else, I hope it reminds you that you too can do anything if you set your mind to it. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to give it a review and share this broadcast out with your friends and family. Now, did listening to this episode make you think more about your own story? Are you wondering which parts of your own story are relevant to share with others? This is the question I get asked more than any other. How do I share my story? Which parts of my story are worth sharing with other people? How can I make my story relatable so that others can benefit from it? I've taken my simple process that I've used for years as a journalist and broken it down into a three-part storytelling formula that will help you discover the key components of your own story and how to share it. It's a free resource I've created to help you become a light beamer by sharing your story. Simply go to www.lightbeamers.com and click on the big yellow button on the homepage to download your story formula. I'd love to hear your story too. So be sure to join my free community on Facebook, the Light Beamers community, and share your story with me. I can't wait to learn more about you and the story that's inside of you. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can get notified when our next broadcast is live. You will want to stay tuned to the stories we are lining up for you next. I promise they are so good. As always, Light Beamers, I'm over here cheering for you. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM.
Women's Voices Amplified.